Welcome to another episode of ASX Market Goss. For about 30 minutes, we're going to dig a little deeper with ASX-listed small-cap companies, their focus, the future, the highs and lows, and what's next. And part of the conversation is to get to know the guest at a personal level. Their experiences, mentors, slips and slides, even down to their coffee of choice and life away from the share price and investment decision-making. And today's guest is Stephen Cornish from Pentanet, founder and managing director of Pentanet and ASX code 5GG, if I've read that right. We like to say 5GG. 5GG. GG is also a gaming term for good game. Yeah, and gaming is big with Pentanet. We'll get to that in a brief moment. Uh, First of all, welcome to ASX Market Goss. Um, Gee, this has happened quick, Pentanet, hasn't it? It's really been quite quite, um, the evolution and the continual build has been quite dramatic. Yeah, I think... I mean, you know, day to day, you're kind of in, in it every day, but sometimes you do reflect back on how, yeah, rapid that evolution has been. Yeah. So you find it sometimes like all workplaces can sometimes be a bit of a grind, but when you go back and you earmark milestone moments, it's happened pretty quick. Yeah. No, it has, yeah. Considering what's been built and the infrastructure and deals and what, what we've built, which I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on here today, it's, yeah, it is a considerable, considerable amount of work. Tell us about where this is, where this starts, where does a WA company start like this to come in such a very volatile, uh, constantly evolving space? Yeah, well, look, I think it, it kind of evolved, I imagine, from my passion. Um, so I'm, I'm a big gamer. I like to play online games. And I was living in a house that didn't have um, good connectivity. And so I played this game called League of Legends. And my latency wasn't good enough and the bandwidth wasn't good enough. You know, this was back in the day. Everyone's sitting on their hands ready for MBN to come around. How long ago are we talking? Oh, this is, you know, 2017, probably late 2016. Um, so yeah, everyone's kind of waiting for MBN to come around. But when it does come around, it's a little bit underwhelming. Um, so, you know, I've always been very proactive. You know, if I have an idea, I kind of just run with it. I've, I've had lot, lots of businesses before, you know, got that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, so I was living in this house that didn't have good connectivity. And so I was looking at if there's any other ways to connect to the internet. And so this was when wireless was the technology that just shifted to what's called AC. So fixed wireless is predominantly the internet technology that we use for last mile connectivity. Um, the technology was just getting to a good point where the price of performance was actually going to, it could be better than what MBN was offering. You just had to kind of build it. And so I was looking at what all the parts and stuff would cost and me with my ideas, you know, I got very into it and kind of ran modeling and, um, you know, the numbers all look pretty enticing. And so I ended up, I'd sold a house that I had, it was my only property. And so I sold that and I put all that money into building a mobile tower as you do. So I, I set up this tower and kind of built a little network, um, had little supply arrangements and contracts in place, but I connected to it and yeah, it was, it worked and it was better than anything I could get elsewhere. But the only problem is it wasn't very economical with just me sitting on the tower. <laughs> so, you know, I was had to turn it. Where are we business. talking? Where's the tower? Uh, this was in Osborne Park. This one that was built. When you say you, you built a tower, where, where do you put it? So the towers, the towers are there. So you, we, we find towers. Yep. So there's companies that own all the infrastructure. Yeah. Mo- mobile companies don't typically own their towers. They they lease a spot on a tower, then they go and build their own infrastructure on that tower. So, you know, I had to go and find who the tower company was and meet with them and kind of was just this guy kind of knocking on the door, trying to figure it all out. 
Um, so, but how the technology works, you have to be within a few kilometers of the tower and you have to be able to see the tower. So although you've got a few kilometers range around the tower, you know, we put a dish on the roof of the house and that dish has to have line of sight to the tower. So early on, it was me just kind of, I'd have the tower and then I'd be knocking on doors trying to sell my private internet. Um, and yeah, it was, it was challenging because that. How is that received? I'd be interested to know. So there you are, you've sort of, uh, you're around Aussie Park, you're knocking on businesses because so, there's a lot of businesses in that area and they're not just residential. Um, and you're knocking on doors and say, Hey, I've got this connection here and this tower over here. And if your internet's not going well, jump on board. What were some of the looks you were getting? Oh, very strange looks. <laughs> Again, this is a world where everyone's. Um, waiting for MBN, like that, that's how you connect to the internet, right? It's through a larger provider or it's through MBN. It's a very foreign concept that someone can knock on your door and connect you that day to something faster than you can't even get. So yeah, it was, it was challenging. And you know, the early months, you know, we were looking forward to, you know, putting on a customer, two customers. I was out there you know, on the roofs doing the installs, everything like that. Um, so it was a very slow grind like getting customers on because it wasn't really familiar to the consumer market this concept and I was working um you know I was working two different jobs I was selling real estate as well and then I was using the money that I was getting from selling houses to just keep growing and keeping the lights on another month I think I was I was the 15th person at Pentanet to start taking a salary and I'd, so I'd have to work the weekends and do both just to kind of keep it going. I want to go back to the door knocking stuff. So what were some of the reactions you were getting? Just doors closing saying, mate. Yeah, just no. What is this? <laughs> yeah, no, no time or very skeptical. Even if I could get the time to explain it, it sounded too good to be true. Like good internet is something that is a foreign concept, especially for people in Perth. Um, so yeah, it was a very, very difficult sell. Um, yeah, the reactions were well, but when you look, when you reflect back on that, and that's we're talking 2017 when you start doing that, and you look at what you've built now, it's quite remarkable. It's proof to a lot of people who would be listening right now that um, if you're struggling in what you're doing, persistence pays off, and yeah. if you believe in your product and believe yeah. in what you're trying to sell, yeah, absolutely. And every customer that joined, you know, they would then start referring people because. They were able to believe in it because they used it every day and saw the benefit of it. So were you the technician as well? If someone was to ring up that you'd signed up and they would say to you, oh, you know, you sold me this uh, better internet speed and all this sort of stuff. Um, were you handling their queries or was it, had, had you had you employed someone to do that dirty work for you? <laughs> no, no, we handled everything. It was myself, uh, Tim, my brother <clears throat> was there at the start as well. <clears throat> He's got an accounting background, helped a lot with the numbers and modeling. Um, and then one of my other friends, Troy, he's, he likes playing games as well. I call him Mr. Spreadsheet. If you play a game with him, he'll always spreadsheet it. And that's really annoying because he's really good. But I knew I needed his mind on the case as well. So me and him and then another friend, Connor, who is just a, you could Connor any task and he will go and execute it. He's very effective at getting things done. Um, so I knew that that was, I needed, and these guys all had jobs. So I had to be working to be like, okay, I can replace your salary, like, but come and come and do this. And, um, yeah, so it was just, just us kind of, yeah, doing all, all of it, tech support installs Then I had other friends who were sparkies. So, you know, I'd get them in on contract to help put dishes on roofs. How quick did this go? 
like the, in the initial, when you start, as you start, you start to build this, I mean, we talk about the, where you are now, but let's talk about how quickly the uptake and belief was starting to unfold. And were you at time thinking, wow, I might be too far into this. This is now out of control. Or were you always in a good space where you knew that you had control over the uptake and the belief in the company from, from, from the consumer? Yeah, I've, I've always been a firm believer in the things that I do. And I think that's a big part of, you know, driving success. Um, but yeah, it was, the first year was really hard. Like, you know, we were just going each month by month, like trying to get, you know, working capital together and getting people installed over here to pay for something over there. And, and then I knew as it was starting to grow, I knew that we had to go on, I had to find some external capital. So Tim and I kind of looked into like how that, you know, if I had to become a corporate finance guy in this process as well. So yeah, it was probably, um, a year, year and a half of, you know, quote unquote, rattling the tin and some of the articles ended up saying, but, um, yeah, it, it took about that long to raise the first bit of, um, like serious capital to, you know, externally. To get what? To buy, to, to do what? What, where, why did you need, where did this, what was the next stage to be genuine? So the next stage, so we had a handful of towers, which gave us coverage. Um, but you know, as people now st were starting to come to us and, you know, looking at the marketing, we needed to have line of sight to their rooftop in order to the, for them to connect. So what we had to do very quickly was go and build and get all the best vertical real estate in Perth, uh, quickly. So we had to go build our coverage so that we could get more of these users online and have more capacity. So what I, what, what the pitch was for that capital was to go and build, you know, it was like to quadruple even more so the size of our network. Um, you know, we got master agreements with the water corp. So we went on all the water towers. We went on a lot more towers all around Perth. Perth's very flat, so it's quite, quite good. But if you, if you're on a roof of Perth, you can see that on every hill, there's a tower or there's a water tower. So I was like, okay, we've got to go and build the best vertical real estate because the higher you are, the best line of sight you get. And once an operator is on a tower, another operator can't come onto that tower. So it was kind of like a vertical real estate land rush. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's what we set out to build. And then we also had a, we, um, contracted with other providers to build a fiber network between all of those towers. And what ended up being built was a very, very capable wireless network with a decent, good footprint across Perth, greater Metro. And it had a lot of capacity for potential future use, which is also where, where the name Pentanet comes from. Um, like Penta is a gaming term, but it's also five. And kind of what I wanted to build was a wireless internet company that was very reputable and good in, in 5G, which is what we eventually evolved. Really. So do your subscribers, are they, uh, you've probably got a, a very broad mix of who they are, but wh who are the believers? Because the old school, my mum and dad and probably my vintage around that sort of 55 to 65, they just, they play it safe. Have you factored, have you zoned in and focused in on that? the next gen like yourself and your age group and, and the gamers world, or have you got a good cross section of subscribers? We, we do have a good cross section, um, due to the efforts of our CMO, Ali, like she does our marketing. Um, it, it's really important. Although yes, it's in our DNA and genes to, to be targeting the gaming and have the best gaming network. Um, cause we want to play on it also, but if you just have a network that's full of gamers or heavy users, the economics don't work out. You need the. You know, there's the, the regular type users, the, the non-super users. Yeah. 
because every time you add a user to the network, you're kind of planning and building capacity on a network for all the users, but not all users use the same amount of traffic. Similar to like water pressure in a, you know, you can't all water your lawn on the same day. Yep. Um, so yeah, we had to get a good mix of customers on the network to make sure we had enough capacity to have good super users on there as well. It's a remarkable story, Stephen. And, and you know, again, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a WA company. So just again, I'm dumbing it down for a simpleton like me. It's for WA users only. Yeah. That's, that's where you, this, this is what Pentanet is. This is, it's for people who live in the metropolitan area, basically. Yeah. Like we, we can do NBN anywhere, but yeah, we're a Perth company, everything from, you know, us to, you know, tech support installations, you know, the guys you talk to and girls to get connected. All based here. All WA. based locally. Yeah. Um, how many subscribers have you got yourself to? There's over 17,000. Yeah. Wow. So it's, yeah, if you look, the Perth market's about a million. So we're kind of close to that 2% mark. Um, not all of our subscribers are on our wireless network. Our, our wireless products are like our flagship. Yep. But then we also offer some pretty good MBN as well, you know. Um, but the the network and everything has evolved. You know, I'm, I'm talking back 2017, 2018, 2019. We knew that the network that we built was going to have a, a limit. All right. There's only a certain amount of people that we would put per tower because we don't want to oversubscribe towers. Um, so we knew we had to evolve onto new technology types. Um, and so that's where um, this other product was put into development called Nexus. Um, so this is the mesh, is it? This is the mesh, yeah. So we knew that we wanted to just always be pushing the boundaries of what's possible and speed and connectivity. And so um, there was a tech that was getting developed at this time, it was still in a lab, but effectively it's, you know, as, as I've explained, we've got our towers and our users connect within a few kilometers of that tower. This is a different system where um, the users effectively kind of become this grid or this, this, the mesh, we call it Nexus. And the more people that add onto the grid, the more redundancy and resilience is built into it. Cause they're all, they all, all this layer is running over the top and kind of all bringing the traffic back, but it's a product that's like a replacement for fiber. So it does, you know, fiber-like speeds, both up and download. So, you know, with MBN fiber, say, you can only really get fast download speeds. You can't really have good upload. This allows you to do fast up and down, mm. um, and we control the network. So we can kind of just open it up to everyone. Stephen Cornish is our guest on ASX Market Goss. He is the founder and managing director of Pentanet, and their ASX code is 5GG. Got that right? Got yep. that right? Got that right? I'll, 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 I'll have it right by the end of it. Let's go back to that in a moment. I want to talk to a bit about you. So you're a gamer and you, you wanted better speed and I get all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and you've done real estate. You've done a lot. I don't think I've done everything from, I used to sell smartphones. I've imported remote control jets. I've, yeah, I've done, yeah, I've always just kind of tinkered around with businesses here. Was that your thing at school? Were you always this type of guy where you, what I would describe, and I don't, don't take offence, but the, the geeky guy who knows oh, this yeah. type of stuff, he, that, that's you? Yeah, yeah. No, I, was, I, was, I built my first computer when I was 12 so, so that I could play games. That's kind of just what myself Incredible. and friends did. Incredible. It was a little bit harder back then than, than it is today. I can imagine. But um, yeah, no, I was always, a bit of, but I was very, very hands-on. Like I was always tinkering in the garage, pulling things apart and, you know, frustrating my parents because things always 
winding up broken. Must be incredibly proud, and you do, and doing it with your brother as well. I mean, he's involved in that. So it's, um, you know, was it always this way? That were you were both always on the same page in regards to something like this, or did you have to pull each other's coattails a little bit to to get him on board, or vice versa? No, we've always been involved. I mean, even I'm just thinking about it now, I even used to drive an Uber when Uber Black first came out. I, and I got a car and I'd drive that and I got a driver in the car and I've always, Tim's always been there to help like model my ideas and businesses. Um, but I guess it originates with our, our dad. Um, so our, we're, we're a first generation migrant family, our parents are South, from South Africa. So when they arrived, they would have been about my age or younger, had nothing, nothing to their name. Uh, so mum was a midwife and dad's first job was actually a world book salesman. So he was a door to door. I guess like thinking about it, it's kind of like analog internet. <laughs> it was selling at the door, but I guess I saw the progression growing up. Um, you know, it was only maybe when dad was in his mid forties or so, he actually started a business and it was not, it's not like a huge business or anything, but we, I guess we saw through our teenage years that you could do that in this country and kind of step out and do something yourself. And so, yeah, we've always been very, um, into family business and that sort of thing. It's, it's much are, they, are they proud of what you've managed to produce? Yeah. Yeah. Do they say it? Yeah, they do. Yeah. It's, it's, of course they're, they're proud, it, but it's been a, um, it's, it's a, a journey and it, it carries like a lot of frustration as well. You know, um, it's, it's, yeah, if you look at our, what, what we've done on market, it's like, a, it's a very wild ride and everyone's still in it and, and super invested. But I'm no, certainly proud. What's the first thing you do on a working day? What's the first thing you do? You're ready to go to work. You put your Pentanet hat on and your Pentanet shirt on, which is a wonderful brand. And uh, what's the first thing you do in work mode? So the first thing I do in work mode was probably the first thing I do when I open my eyes in the morning. Um, so I'll check our, our Slack. So the whole company is run on Slack. Um, it's like a messaging system. So I'll just check uh, what's going on. Uh, probably a, a, a bad habit and I shouldn't do it, but I, um, you know, it's important to do. I'll, I'll check, you know, every, every morning I get a report of the, the registry. So I'll just kind of just keep an eye on that just to make sure there's nothing in there or movement that I need to kind of be aware of because obviously a big part of my, my job is investor relations also. Um, and then I, yeah, was it go through my emails, look at my calendar, which I would already be aware of, but a lot of my a lot of Pentanet's operation is all done through Slack and it's online. Uh, so that's kind of what I do. And then once I have a handle on the first wave of whatever's going on, I, I'll get a coffee. <laughs> yeah. And your coffee of choice? Um, yeah. I usually just go for a flat white. Yeah. No sugar. Yeah, a regular place where you go? Uh, not really. Just wherever I can get one. So I'm, I'm on the move quite a bit. We talk about uh, clearly your dad's work ethic and your mum and dad coming out and stuff and your brother and, and people around you. So talk about inspirations and mentors. Have you, have you got anyone inside the, that you would lean on that someone you said, oh, you know, I've hit, hit the wall on this or I need a bit of advice and this. And, and we're not sort of saying technical advice because it looks like you've got that covered, but just business advice and someone that you can sort of uh, lean on in a time of need. Yeah, look, there, there's definitely ones out there um like obviously growing up it was like dad and tim and that um another person has been really instrumental um to the journey is dalton gooding i was going to say he's on your board 
Yes, yes. So he was he was the first person really to write a a, a check <laughs> um, in in the early days. How did you convince him to do that? He's a smart man and he's uh, well connected and uh, you know he's a power broker in town, so to speak. Whether it be through his football or but also business, how did you convince him? Um, so he came out to meet. It was through um, word of mouth, and um, we we actually reached out to try and meet. But you know he's he's a very strong accountant. And we have, you know, really good accounts. And Mark Derman, our CFO, is she's also a big spreadsheeter. <laughs> so we were kind of, um, you know, we had all of our models and we had the business plan. We had what we had been doing. And we also had, you know, us. Like, you know, the, what, what's been put together at this stage is there's obviously a lot of drive and passion and personal investment in doing it, which I think he took quite a liking to. Um, but... The, the numbers looked good and it looked possible. It just had to kind of get done. And so he kind of just, oh, there's many, many meetings and brought many people out as well to kind of fact check certain things. Um, but eventually when he had comfort, he, you know, he kind of had the, fir the first external check kind of came to us to, to invest. And um, after that, we, you know, we just saw the significant value in what he brought in his lessons. And so we, we asked if he would come on board as chairman, which he was happy to do. And I think, you know, he, he's entrepreneurial as well. So I think he, you know, quite enjoyed dealing with Tim and I and, you know, being, being that, that mentor. You probably wouldn't remember him playing his football days. You'd be too young, but are you aware of his football oh, prowess? He was. He doesn't really let people forget. Yeah. But I don't remember it personally. He was, a, he was an outside winger, wore number 44, wore glasses, played played in glasses, like in the midfield too. Yeah. Quite remarkable. Played in a golden era and was a very good player in his time. And of course, we know as also Dalton Gooding, the chairman of the West Coast Eagles for some time and still somewhat of a power broker there. Um What's your motto? You come into, if you come into work and there's a big white wall and I do is to throw you a big fine line of pen, you're to write on the wall. What do you work by, you personally? Me personally? Um, I suppose I should get one inked down. <laughs> there's lots of different mantras in that, I suppose, I tell myself. But um, I think my general motto or approach to even life in general is I'm really big on like, you know, you can kind of materialize and manifest the things that you put your mind to. And so, and it's very easy to get down on like, you know, you have bad days and, and in business, you have a lot of bad days and a lot of challenges. And sometimes if you focus too much on the challenges and not like the end result that you're after, you will let, you'll just kind of be in this continual rut of things just that keep appearing. And so if you just hold it firm in like in your mind that, you know, you know what outcome you want to achieve. And once you accept that everything that's happening, be it seemingly good or bad at the time, if you accept that they're all part of the journey to where you eventually want to end up, that's when you find that things just start to, like the universe starts to respond in kind. I think you do need to find some words to, yeah, yeah. because what you've said there is exactly right. And if we go back again to the door knocking days and the belief days and the Uber driving days and the selling real estate and selling your house to fund this whole dream, which is now reality, it's quite remarkable. So your, your, your work ethic and your focus is, 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 um, is to be, um, to be applauded. Um, how many people work for Pentanet? Uh, so there's close to 90 We've, we've gone, we, we used to have close to a hundred 
It came down to like 80. They were on the way back yeah, around that 90 mark. But again, they're all, they're all locally employed and um, we're very big um, you know, backers of our team. Because although, you know, you obviously complimenting my work ethic and that, which I appreciate, it's, it's also the result of like a really dedicated mm. team, mm. like everyone who's involved. Um, uh, you've reached some milestones, of course. Um, I think 50 towers, is that correct? Yeah, we have over 50, over 50 towers. Yeah. So we have the largest, like framing where we are today, we've got the largest fixed wireless network here in Perth Metro. We've got Nexus, so we've grown that grid, which had you know, ups and downs over three years of development as well. But now that's that's firing, and that's that's the fastest thing in the market. But it's it's very limited um, coverage. We we're building more. We have 5G, so we're one of the only other mobile or, or internet providers that are in 5G spectrum. That's Dad. You've been busy in the rollout for that in recent times. We have been yes. So we're upgrading our towers to 5G now. Um, because we're going to be bringing an ultra fast product to market very, very soon. Um, and that's going to be where we get our, our next immediate growth from. So when does 5G become 6G and 6G become 7G and 8G become 9G? When, when does this happen? Cause I mean, I'll show you my, can I just show you my mobile phone? Yeah. That's my mobile. Okay. That's a 0.5G. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's a, that's a, uh, a hand me down from channel 10 when they, uh, gave me the lemonade. Um, but no problems at all, but I, um, you know, it, but the, I've just watched people's mobile phones and laptops and mm. when does that change for you and, or doesn't it? Are you always looking, I mean, we're talking about 5G now and the rollout net, making everything roll yeah. 5G. Do you, are you big picture? Are you beyond what's going to be, what it's going to look like in two, three, four, five years? Are you always looking at? Yeah, I, I have to be, um, you know, 5G, the 5G we do today and the Nexus we do today, the cloud gaming we do today, they were just concepts, you know, four years ago that people didn't understand if that could even be a thing. Not, not talking 5G specifically, that's a, a global thing. Um, but yeah, I always have to be thinking ahead and thinking about what the next, you know, macro move is for the business and where we have to grow because taking Nexus and 5G and cloud gaming as an example, if we hadn't have moved and evolved to do those things, we'll just be sitting here with a network that's full and not being able to add any new users. Yeah. Um, so without having the new technologies to add capacity, we wouldn't be relevant in, in a market there where, you know, there's fiber optics everywhere. Have you got plenty of money as in, you know, to support you, you get, because it doesn't sound like it's cheap. None of this sounds like it's cheap. No, yeah, it's a very capital intensive business. Um, but we're starting to turn that corner now. We're well capitalized. Um, so yeah, the, the cash balance, we had to top up the cash balance back in March, which wasn't, wasn't a great time, but you've got to do what you've got to do. Um, so yeah, we're well capitalized for growth over the last year. If you look at our June last year, you know, we were burning five, 600,000 EBITDA a month. We're, we've actually been able to get the business to EBITDA break even now mm. within the foreign financial year. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's, that's a huge swing. And now we're moving into that, you know, profitability now. And so the only cash that we need to use, which is what we have is for that growth because the business, you know, with all it's operating and all the staff and all the network costs and everything that's now, you know, washing its face and, and moving into EBITDA. Stephen Cornish is our guest. In a moment, I'm going to get you a make a pitch and also give us your, your short, your mid and your long-term views in regards to where Pentanet is heading. Um, for those interested, 5GG is the ASX code. And uh, if you like the cut of this man's cloth, and I think you should, I think he's, um, he's quite remarkable. 
um, the focus in regards to this company and the, and the speed, which is all very important when it comes to the, <laughs> <laughs> the internet and the like. I, I, I'm, intri I'm intrigued by gaming. Um, in a past life, you were a sponsor of the Perth Wildcats. You were. Uh, you've got Penzance Stadium up at Joondalup through the West Perth Football Club. Yep. Um, you're no longer a part of the Wildcats, but you, your brand was certainly out there and it was quite prominent. And I remember interviewing the group in regards to the gaming and you got a, you know, your gaming team and they're in the league and stuff like that. Mm. Um, is it cost efficient, cost effective? Do they get paid for doing this, these blokes? And they're representing the company. What's the win for Pentanet? They do. So, yeah, I mean, talking esports, it's a very, very, um, it's relatively immaterial for the, for the business. Uh, but effectively, yeah, we, we remember the game I was talking about that started a oh, league of legends. So we, we have a pro team. Um, so yeah, they're paid to play. There's a manager and, you know, we get sponsorships and, um, that sort of thing. But when they're, when they're playing, you can actually go and win money, but it's more esports for us is kind of just being involved in the halo of speed and gaming and it's kind of there, but the season's actually finished for esports. So we've got the team and they're very successful and we've got the license, but we need to figure out what, you know, what we'll do next year. Are they workers or are they just people that you've earmarked as and you recruit them in to sort of say, yep, um, they can do this and, uh, and it's good for the brand to get pension in and out? No, they, they, they work. The, the gamers, they are full-time gamers. They play. And they're not time gamers. Yeah, they're full. They work full time, um, and they have a coach and a manager, and they that's their job as they play League of Legends. They're not. They don't send their resume or anything. They're scouted. Um, are, are they based in WA? No, they well we they were this year. So we the, the, what we were trying to do we're trying to esports is a big evolving industry, mm. and so we, we like to be involved in what's coming. Um, but WA has a really interesting case to be the heart of Australian esports because of our proximity to Asia. So when you're playing online games, you've got to have low latency connection. Yep. Um, so all of the, the esports industry currently in Australia is all over east, but because it's such a small player pool, they can only, the pros can only play each other over there. So it's a very small pool. And you know, with sports, you can only really get better by playing people who are better than you. Mm. And so there's a kind of a level cap that you get to in Australia. So we thought, well, what if we base out of Perth? Because it's the same latency online to Singapore as it is to Sydney. So by having the players here, we were actually training in Asia online and then, you know, being able to come back to our region. So that's why Andrew Vlauholm and, and Singapore were in the NBL for a brief time. They had a team because of, because of the connectivity to the Asian region, how it, how it was just as easy. And now we've got a team from New Zealand on the other side, but yeah, that whole Asian connection is, is and we are in position A, aren't we? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I've been trying to, you know, talking to the state and that, that there is a, a case to be made to do a bit of a push for digital esports and gaming uh, here in WA because of, you know, what we have available to us. Um, but that, that's an ongoing conversation. Tell us about the short, the mid and the long term of Pentanet. Uh, ASX code 5GG. Tell us a, a bit about those before you get a chance to pitch for those who are listening, who have liked you and liked where the direction is. And this is a space that's just going to continue to evolve and you're right at the call face of it and have been for since launching in 2017. So tell us a bit about the short, the mid and the long term. So the short term goals and what we're doing right now, we are upgrading our tower footprint to 5G to give us a lot more speed, a lot more capacity on our tower footprint. The costs and overheads are all now covered on that network. So all that revenue that we're going to bring on is, you know, we, we do have very attractive 
gross profit margins on our on our wireless, um, and that's just due to having well capitalised the network early on. Um, so short term goal is bringing five G online. Just the other day, we also launched our new cloud gaming gen, but I'll, I'll touch on that. Um, we're going to be expanding our Nexus footprint. So the, the short and midterm is like building a lot more coverage, a lot more capacity, getting users growing again, like on our wireless network, which is our network's been full for a while. So I haven't been able to have subscriber growth for a bit. The next, the other immediate thing happening is in cloud gaming. So, you know, we're talking about having foresight ahead and that there's a company that people might have heard of called now called NVIDIA because they've just become a trillion dollar company on the NASDAQ. Um, they make graphics cards and GPUs, which is what powers gaming and AI, um, you know, which are becoming really big things, very, very popular business, um, with the numbers they do. We started a conversation with them many years ago about cloud gaming. So they have a, a platform called GeForce now, which is the best cloud gaming platform in the world. What cloud gaming is, um, you know, if I want to play a game today without cloud gaming, I need to have a computer, you know, I need to have a three or $4,000 computer or I need to have a PS5 or an Xbox. That's because the, the hardware that runs the games, it's in that device and it's called a, a GPU or the processor, a graphics card. So how that industry is evolving is all of that compute power is being moved to the cloud. And so that's what we do. So we're the NVIDIA, we're the exclusive provider of this with NVIDIA um, here in Australia. So we have these supercomputers that can play thousands of people's games at any one time. And they've been deployed, they're in Perth and they're in Sydney. And so now we, we have subscribers that come onto that, that, you know, rather than play, rather than spending the upfront CapEx cost to buy a console or a computer, they just pay us a subscription. And what we just launched the other day is the next generation of it, which is more powerful than even like the latest gaming PCs. So that cloud gaming business is really at an inflection and a catalyst point where it's we're actually, we've actually been able to get that business EBITDA positive within two years mm. and the numbers just keep growing and Microsoft have done a deal with NVIDIA now. There's a lot more content coming to the platform. It's, we're right at the, you know, we've been at the coalface, as you said, but we're right at the catalyst point now for that business to boom. And it's because we had to make that investment in NVIDIA four years ago, back when they were a $200 million company, not, not a trillion. So that's, you know, that's also part of the short term to mid- Absolutely. Um, and for those who are listening uh, and now know a bit more about the Pentanet story, um, where's the pitch? Why should they jump on board? Why should they invest? I think look, there's a multitude of reasons. If you're a WA investor and you like, like local things, like that's what we do. But if you're looking at the, the financial side of it, I think, and a lot of CEOs would say this about their businesses, that it's it's, it's undervalued and it's a good entry point. If you were really just to actually look at us where we sit today, just due to conditions and market conditions, and <clears throat> sometimes we're lumped in a tech bucket, sometimes we're a cash burn business, which, which did affect our, you know, our value on the market and how investors saw us. Over the last year, though, we've been able to get the business, we're moving now into EBITDA positive territory. Our, our bet, what we have, our assets on the balance sheet, all these supercomputers in the network, even that's more than the market cap at the moment. And if you look, you know, we're still generating close to 20 million revenue. It's recurring, very attractive margins. And all of these catalysts are now, all the things we've been working on to have our next phase of growth over the last three years, 
they're all hitting like this financial year. So it's a, you know, I, I would say it's a very attractive time to be looking at our business. Incredibly positive young man, incredibly uh wonderful WA business and this podcast is heard all around the place. So it's not just uh, WA specific, but I'm sure that those who are connected to Western Australia have heard the name Pentanet and uh, are a much wiser and much broader knowledge of the workings of it, in particular with you, Stephen. We appreciate you coming in. Well, thanks. It's pretty great, man. Another episode of ASX Market Goss. So we'd love your feedback. Make a comment, like us, share us, tell your colleagues, counterparts, community, spread the word. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, RSS.com, wherever you're listening to us, uh, provide some feedback. And we'll keep an ear and an eye out for our next episode. Until then, we'll keep on digging to find more guests to chat about with their ASX journey, like we have Today with Stephen Cornish from Pentanet, that ASX code is 5GG. Stephen, once again, thanks for coming in. Thanks very much for having me. The content of this podcast is intended to be general in nature and is not personal financial product advice. It does not address the circumstances of any individual or entity. You should not construe any of this information or other part of the material as legal, tax, investment, financial or other professional advice. ASX Market Goss and its employees are not financial advisors. You should consider seeking independent legal, financial taxation or other advice to check how any information relates to your unique circumstances. Nothing contained in this podcast constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement or offer by ASX Market Goss or any third party to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in this or any other jurisdiction in which such solicitation or offer would be unlawful under the securities laws of such jurisdiction.